High Quality Fun Podcast. Uh, today we have Chris on, who is going to tell us a little bit about marathon running. Um, Chris and I, we met through uh, his wife, now wife, uh, went to high school with me and Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea and her are, are very, very close. Um, and so I got to adopt Chris in that relationship, and and now we're buddy. He lives he lives out in Colorado um and has a pretty pretty interesting marathon history has run all over the country and uh we just want to dive into that and share how how chris got into this hobby and and hear more about his life how you doing today chris i'm good thanks for having me on tyler yeah man is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we start to peel apart this uh this journey of yours no so i like tyler said i've known him for gosh five was it five years now maybe a little little over four or five years um and he's to you know he's been a great friend to me and um met him through my wife bronwyn uh and this has been a, a great journey getting to know him over the last couple of years in michigan and colorado so excited tyler to uh to talk to you today love it yeah we're trying to Brown and Chris moved out to Colorado and they've been soaking it up out there as uh, newlyweds. We're trying to get them to move back to Michigan, but uh, if they don't, I do not blame them. Colorado is so much more pretty and beautiful and supports their <laughs> lifestyle. Um, but yeah, it's also a great place for us to get out and, and you guys are always welcome for us and our kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll start off with this. Like you've, you are pretty competitive with your marathon running and mm-hmm. we can dive into you know where you're racing what events you're going to a little bit down the road but i kind of want to hear how you got into it and um you know where you are now with your marathon journeys yeah yeah so so i i've been running since i was i think seven years old so i started playing soccer growing up uh you know played on the six six seven seven year old six six year old you know playing local soccer team that was the fastest one on the field so uh, my parents said hey you're just gonna start running track (laughs) and i was in i remember second grade when i started running track um and i was the fastest kid in the city as a second grader for third for third grade and under i ran ran the half mile the fastest in the city of cleveland um and so they said, oh, so you're just going to run. So my parents are like, all right, you're really good at this. Uh, you're going to run year round now. So every summer I did junior Olympics across the country um, from ages seven through probably 12. And then every fall I did local cross country in Cleveland. And then every winter I did um, junior Olympic cross country around the country as well. And then in the spring, I would do track. So I would run four seasons a year, probably those, from ages. Was the Junior eight. Olympic, was that a, that was like a, like travel soccer, right? So you, you did yeah. a, outside of your high school, you did the sport and that allowed you yeah. to travel and race around the, yeah. the state and the country. So even grade school. So this is like when I'm like eight, nine, 10 years old, um, what, what, what would it would entail is that I have to join a team. So I had, a, I had like a travel team I was, I was on and then you had to be the, top four in your event in your state and then you had you got to the region and then you went to regionals which was like the midwest region 
then you had to be top four in your state at your in, top four in the region in your event and then you got to qualify for nationals which was the, the junior olympics i had them every year in different uh different cities so i think in 2000 i went to disney world uh 2003 they were in detroit so i went to detroit um 2001 i went to virginia and that, that was for track and then for cross country i went to missouri in 99 um i went to gosh uh south carolina in like 2004. Uh, so this means that you were qualifying almost every year yeah so th this is like the way I, the way i start like it's a pretty good look into like my running mentality because i i never raced i never went up for junior olympics and never and didn't qualify like every single time i went up for it and like made the choice to go to go for it i always i always made it which I, was just something that i was young i was super proud of like there were, i never I, it wasn't like every race i went to i was top five seated i think i remember going to regionals a couple times where i was like 10th or ninth but i always made top four and i always qualified for junior olympics um so that was something from when i was a little kid uh, i just something about race something about racing uh just stuck with me and i was you know i was good at i was good at running but i was really good at racing do you did you have a dedicated coach for all this or did uh I did. did that change throughout the years? I did. No, he he it's he's a really interesting dude. He uh he was like a really good high school runner and then he got injured and then he became like he legit looked like Santa Claus. He he was like super big, he had a big white beard, um, and he would just coach the local runners. He's coached like a couple Olympians. Um, so he knows his stuff, but he he would push us pretty hard um we do five days a week practice workouts twice a week longer runs twice a week um and he was like he was he had our best intentions but he was like kind of scary where <laughs> he would he was fat and he'd be like you want to look like me when you grow up and he'd lift his shirt up and he'd have a big belly and be like do the next repeat and <laughs> so he'd be like all right we'll do it uh or like if we were walking on our run instead of running he'd come around in like a truck and he'd catch us and we'd have to run instead of walk like we were just little kids like you know like we were like 10 years old nine years old like we it was shocking we were able to focus on a run for 40 minutes like you know me i like i can focus on a run like this is me when i was seven or eight like I, it was shocking um these like are was, events right no so i did a half mile and a mile and then i did i grab when i was under third grade you can't do more than i couldn't do more than half a mile okay. fourth grade and above i did a mile and then uh high school i did 5k but I, and then i did two mile as well when i was in like sixth grade i, I jumped up to the two mile. i was always distance um that was always I, as I, once once i could run the higher distance i always i always went for that one okay yeah the i did track in high school and the 800 the half mile Mm -hmm. that was like that was almost a sprint it was just you know ball yeah. to wall sprint for two laps people exactly. argue the hardest event in the entire it is. You know, track and field um yep. so then you're saying in high school you actually went for the mile and the two mile as well yeah and the, and the 5k that i okay. no more eight, no more 800 yeah so like all the way through grade school it was um it it was 800 mile two mile and then in high school it was just mile two mile 5k Okay. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah. After, what did you do after that? When did you get into doing marathon distances? So that was after high school. So when I was in high school, when I was doing the five k, I was still pretty good. But I, because I ran 
so much when I was a kid. Like mentally, I was just burned out by the time I was done with high school. I had some I had some offers to run in college, and just turned them down because um, I just didn't want it anymore. Uh, it was like I look back on it, and when I was a little kid, like training for those races, like mentally pretty exhausting. Like I had to push myself a lot when I was a little kid, and I think by the time I got to high school, I was done. So high school, I finished college. I, I didn't run in college. I did some races but didn't do marathons was like was not it was pretty anti-marathon and then didn't wasn't until like six years after no four years after i graduated college that i finally did my like started training and did my first marathon it took me four years after college so eight years after i stopped running like super competitively to pick marathoning up again did you did you maintain the love for running through college though no nope. oh you kind of dropped it completely Yes, because it, it was it was such a big part of my life all through high school, and it was such a big, like competitive. Like I poured a lot into the competitive side of it. That for me, when I was in college, it was like if I can't be super competitive, I don't want to do it. And so, like my freshman year, I didn't run. My sophomore year, I joined the triathlon team, so I did triathlon sophomore and junior year. But I couldn't really bring myself to be like a competitive runner again in college. Gotcha. Yeah, mm -hmm. I ran in uh I ran track, cross country and did swimming, so all just endurance mm -hmm. events in mm -hmm. high school. And when I went to college, running was just that was like the one workout I could always find sanity in to stay in shape. Um that and just like intramural sports, but yep. um yeah, have yep. not done a marathon. I'm I we've talked about this. I'm going to try it's always been a bucket list item uh, of mine mm -hmm. and I'm getting older, I have kids now it's mm -hmm. i said screw it i'm doing it this may uh that yep. means i'll have like a little bit of training in the winter but for the most part i will knock it out in the early summer and yep. yeah just kind of check that box um mm -hmm. but going back to you like what 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 led you to do the marathon was it a bunch of yep. buddies that that wanted to sign up with or no so so that's a great question so i wanted to um i started running kind of like your like you said it became more of a my relationship with it got a lot better when i started working when when i was when i was working it was like i don't want this to be my identity like i'm an accountant like i don't want to be chris the accountant that was not an identity i wanted so i knew i was really good at running and i kind of had the skill i'd tabled for a couple of years so i started bringing it back i started running a couple of days a week and just being really casual with it uh and then i remember in 20 17 i watched the new york marathon on tv and an american woman uh won the new york marathon it was like this big epic like patriotic thing and she was like waving the flag afterwards and i was like this is really cool like i'm good enough to do this like i need to just do it and so i remember watching that being like all right i'm done like sitting on the couch i need to like start doing marathons like i'm good enough i need to start doing them and um, that's why i signed up for the cleveland marathon that was going to be that next may and then signed up to do the new york marathon as well um right after that I qualify for the new york can anybody run the new york so you, you can yes so you can it's a lottery system um but you can qualify with either a half marathon or a marathon time that's kind of like boston but either way uh you it has a lot like boston doesn't have a lottery but new york does so i entered the lottery for that uh, and, and I ended up getting it, um, and that was going to be that was in November 2018, and then May of 2018, 
was I signed up. I was going to do Cleveland, and then that was going to be my goal is to qualify for the Boston Marathon in that race, and then just do New York in the fall because uh, I'd heard about what the World Majors were, and I'm like, oh, this seems like a cool goal. I think I could do this too. So my goals were kind of just to run the World Majors and run them fast. Um, we'll we'll go into the countries or the locations in the World Major in a second. But what was the farthest distance you had done at this point? If you're doing you know, cross country, I assume yeah. you did a couple 10 mile days, but have you even ran yeah. a half marathon at this point in time? So I, gosh, it's a great question. I did 10, I never was like a super long mileage guy in high school. So I think like maybe 12 or 13, 12 maybe was the furthest I'd gone. And then post-college, maybe 13, 14, like maybe I, there's no run that stands out on my I mean, one run that stands out in my mind. I remember I was in Detroit and I started running again and it was a hot day. I remember I ran 10 miles and I had to stop and like get water because I was dying at 10 miles. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and I remember that one super vividly. That was like early on in my training where I was like, oh, I'm going to start running again. So um, I, I, it, had, it wasn't any more than like 14 miles. There's no way. Maybe a half marathon was the first I'd done. I'm just laughing because uh, I've I've run a half marathon uh, training for a marathon that I didn't end up doing. I signed up with a bunch of people and they never actually signed up. So oh I'm, I'm like in high school working, training for this thing with no motive, with no, you know, support system. And I, I finished the half mile day and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> So you're you're saying that you haven't even run a half marathon, and you're like, oh, I'm I'm going balls to the wall. We're doing a full marathon. Uh, yeah. Did it come pretty natural to to you? Did you like what went into training um, for that? Um, did you have to do a little ego check uh, when you got over that 15 mile mark? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew I knew I could put forth an effort for the amount of time I needed to do a marathon because when I did the triathlons, triathlons, those were like three hours of racing. So I knew my body could at least like race for that long. I had no way it's run for that long. But I'm like, all right, I, mentally, I, I knew I could like physically race for that. Um, but running, I, I tried to structure it like I did my 5k training in high school. And I was always been, I've been running for so long. Like there's a whole, I don't know if you've heard the whole notion of like 10,000 hours be makes you an expert, but the most, like, I'm like, I've basically, I'm pretty close to having that all with running so like I've, i'm really i like having um making training plans and i've had a lot of coaches and a lot of intel and, and but it was all for like 5ks and so i tried to structure it uh, and i knew i could perhaps scale it up just pick people's brains who have run marathons before try to take what i knew and scale it up uh to hit distances and like map it out i remember i had a whiteboard and i mapped out every day for like three months of what I was going to do and try to tailor it, like try to hit every day exactly. And so it was like a really scientific, like a really thoughtful process. The issue was I had never done that type of mileage before. And I didn't know like how taxing it would be. And that's why ultimately I ended up getting a stress fracture, like halfway through my training on my first marathon. <laughs> I knew it was one, it wasn't diagnosed till after the race, but I didn't want to go to the doctor because I knew they would tell me I had one. They'd tell me I'd have to stop running so i just waited until after the race <laughs> i feel like there's so many stories of people that they go to train or sign up for a marathon and have to drop out 
uh, yeah. because of that, because of strain on their body, you know, rolling an ankle, hurting a knee, stress fracture. Um, yeah. That's that's a nightmare of mine. I'm uh, I'm going to be very cautious trying yes. to train for this thing in May so that I can not hurt myself. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So how did, uh, unless there's anything else you want to go into with training, how did the actual event go in Ohio? And then, you know, I, I assume that was quite a bit of a massive difference when you went from Ohio to New York. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I remember the, the furthest I'd run leading up to Cleveland was I think 22 miles. And I remember that, that run, it was in, uh, Rochester Hills it was on the Clinton river trail in Rochester Hills. That's where I did my long run. And it's this nice flat, like, uh, this nice flat, like kind of dirt road. And I, I was able to get, I remember I hit 20 miles really good and 21 through 22 were really bad. And I was like, Oh, whatever. I'll just get through it on race day. And then when I got to race day, uh, I had to take ibuprofen before basically every run. I'd ice my leg every day for like a month. I like did a lot of maintenance just to get to race day. Uh, and so I remember because I had the stress fracture on my, I mean, and the stress fracture is not like you can still run it, but if run on it, but you, you have the potential to have more, more fracture, more fractures. It was really stupid, but all in all, I made it. Uh, but race day, I remember I just took two ibuprofen. I was like, just gut through it. Uh, just as whatever, just go for it. And then I ran really good through the half. One of my buddies from high school came in and rode next to me on a bike. So he carried me through the, all the way till mile 20. And then sure enough on mile 20, like hit a pretty bad wall, uh, had some other friends from high school who jumped in and ran with me, basically carried me, uh, started cramping up a lot, like mile 25. I remember like I had to stop because both legs cramped. Um, I had to make it to the finish line. I still ran 256, which qualified me for, me for Boston, which is pretty awesome. Like, I don't know how I did that. Um, but it, I remember just looking at my watch and be like, I'm going to run a 240. This is amazing. And then like mile 22 hit. And I was like, I'm so screwed. I don't know how I'm going to finish this race. <laughs> and then sure enough, I somehow, somehow made it. And it was, it, I'll, that one was just, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't train it as well as I should. I didn't, I wasn't as smart as I should have been. I should have trained more, done more long runs. Like now looking back, having done six and run marathons for five years, I can look back and be like, I, there were some things in training I did that were so dumb. Um, and I would, I you know, you didn't have a trainer. Didn't know. Or anything. It didn't sounds know. like you were kind of making up your own. Myself. Making up my own is exactly right. I made up my own program, thought I was doing the right thing. Just running while injured. But I accomplished my goal. My goal was just to qualify for, for Boston, and I had to run a 305 to do that, and I ran 256. So that was a big I, – I met my goal, so that's all I really cared about, and I drove back to Detroit that day. <laughs> that's impressive. I got a, Literally the first marathon <laughs> you're qualifying for you know, Boston. Yeah. Uh, I'm just hoping to get below four, four, four hours. Yeah. I think I can do it based on my yeah. running experience, but I'm no nowhere near as quick as you. Um. Is it is it common that people can run alongside you or, or ride with you? I, I kind of assumed that you your only interaction with them was from the sidelines holding a poster so, board cheering you on. No, you can. So in smaller marathons, absolutely. Um, they don't really care, like because it's called it's called banditing, like like a bandit. So like you can bandit a marathon basically at any small one, 
because you're just running at the end of the day. Like, yeah. And if you're not winning, you're not, it isn't, it isn't for money. It doesn't matter. Like if someone wants to go out, I, I've banded someone through a whole half marathon of their full marathon. Like I've just run right next to them for half of it. Uh, and I, and I, I don't, they don't have to pay. I don't get a medal. I don't get any of the gear, but if I want to go do my long run on a Saturday next to someone in a race, like unless it's a huge operation like New York or Chicago or Boston or something, you're generally fine. Hmm, that's cool. I didn't even know that. That makes sense. Bandit, you're just like, yeah, robbing them of the experience. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, getting the experience for free. Yeah, getting the experience for free. Yep. So then you you flew out to um, New York, mm-hmm. and this is one of the world majors, right? It is. It was the. It's the first one. Uh, that one was in November, and I, and I had found out I got into it in february so this is before i ever did my first marathon this is the same year 2018 and i knew i had a stress fracture i went to the doctor right after i finished cleveland like yeah you have a stress fracture you can't run for two months and i remember thinking like all right i can't run till august and new york is in november so i'm gonna have to train for this thing in like two weeks (laughs) or two months two months which is like typically for a marathon lead up you need at least three to four months to, to like do it properly and not hurt yourself and so I remember being like, I had to walk around with like a, an air cast on my leg for a month ish. Um, I couldn't really run. I just did a lot of yoga, uh, swam, and then came back in August and started training again. And it was like, really, again, I just pieced it together. Couldn't be super smart because I just, I really wanted to run New York. And I was just like, I'm going to get myself to the starting line. and. I'll be okay with it. And New York is the best of all the marathons I've done. It's my favorite because it's just a whole experience. You have to, you start in Staten Island, the whole city is kind of shut down and you can't get back to the starting line. So everything you take with you, you have to take to the start. So if it's like Hmm. clothes, you have to, you're never going to see them again. So you have to just donate them to the Salvation Army when you're done because you have to keep warm. The race is until nine. You have to get there at 5 a.m. So you're taking the Staten Island Ferry from downtown all the way to Staten Island. Like you're looking at the, you're going right by the Statue of Liberty. It's pretty cool. And then you get to Staten Island, like, all right, I have to sit around for three hours with nothing to do before the race. It's like pretty, it's just a totally different experience. And then race day, you're just running and there's people everywhere. You're just like so overstimulated. It's just, you get to see people everywhere, um, cool signs. And it, it's just so much fun. Um, and that's another one where I ran fine but the last five miles or so i uh, i just tanked again and i ended up cramping like the worst i've ever cramped actually second worst but it was really i ended up still going i think like 308 or something like that which was still i was happy with it but uh that one was more just for the experience and i and i just for fun i've raised money for american cancer society and raised like seven thousand dollars or something like one of the top 10 fundraisers so that was a fun part of it too is i i didn't even have to like you can run these marathons with a charity if you want i just decided to do it just because uh and ended up raising like a good good chunk of money for the cancer society so all in all that was like a really really fun time it was my worst race of all the world majors my worst time but um the most fun i had that's fantastic uh 
for for the audience, can you kind of take a step back and explain what the world majors are and if there's any sure. history associated with that? Because I I knew that this was a thing, but I don't know anything about them. Yeah, so it it is it's it was kind of like a, a construct of the running community. Like no one marathoning in general hasn't has only been really big for like 40, 50 years, and um, Boston was always the most prestigious because you had you could only get in with a quali time qualifier, and then. New York and Chicago were always really big, but uh, it wasn't as prestigious as Boston. So someone came up with the idea. It's actually sponsored by, like now it's a whole big thing and it's sponsored by a bunch of companies. Uh, the main sponsor is Abbott who does like testing, like healthcare testing or something. I don't even know. But they they banded together like the, the six biggest marathons and was just like, hey, do you guys want to make this like a thing? Um, three international, three US will make it a goal like all these runners like it makes it, it's a goal like all these people who are running marathons are pretty goal oriented in general this just gives some, them like another reason to do these races uh and they all the the six six of the biggest marathons came together i don't know when maybe it was within the, it was probably within the last 15 years maybe 20 years um and they said we'll make this a thing so if you you sign up for these six so it's it's you it's uh boston chicago and new york in the u.s and then uh london berlin and tokyo uh overseas and they all banded together and said we're going to make this a thing where when you volunteer for a race you get a or when you run our race you get you like get a check mark you've done one of the majors um like they're all all the gear is all like has stuff that says like world major on it like it's a makes it's a good it's a branding thing at the end of the day but if you complete all six you get like a special medal uh that's like this is you've like accomplished it's like the the best thing you can accomplish if you're not like a professional runner in my opinion it's like if you're gonna be people have their own goals like some people try to do a race in every state or try to do like they pick a they pick a goal but the majors is the most competitive goal uh without being like a professional okay and what made you decide to do this because it, it literally sounds like you signed up for the <laughs> new york one on a whim and yeah like, oh, do new york might as well qualify for boston yeah uh, that that was exactly it it was like all right if i can do if i can do boston so the, the other thing about these races is uh every every race except for london and tokyo has a time qualifier element as well as a lottery so boston you can't get in a lottery you have to time qualify but for the other ones um it's a lottery system but if you run a certain time you can bypass the lottery and get it get an entry for free and a lot of those time and not not for free but you get you can bypass the lottery and you get it and so a, a lot of those time those races like if you can get a boston time qualifier then you can jump the lottery and get into all the other ones so it's kind of like a uh like my, my the time i ran to qualify for boston got me into new york and chicago so i was like all right all i got to do is qualify for boston and I could do the three world majors. I have a time qualifier to do all three in the U.S. Uh, and so it became like I had no idea that was, that's not like what I intended to do. But when I found that out, I'm like, oh, I can I can do this, and then I just have to do three overseas, and I can I can accomplish this goal. And how many have you done so far? So I've done Boston, New York, Chicago, and then I did Berlin last year. So. I've exhausted the four that you can do with a time qualifier. And then Tokyo and London are the only two where you have to do a lottery system. You can't qualify 
London won't allow won't allow you to unless you're from the UK. And then Tokyo, you can you can time qualify, which I technically got the qualifier for, but they only accept 25 people worldwide under that time. So I wasn't one of the top 25 to get that. Uh, so unfortunately, I, I'm gonna have to just figure out. I'm gonna have to just keep entering the lottery for those and figure out when I want to do them. And um, you know, that's that's the the end of the road. I have a long time to do those two. So, uh, how does that lottery you know, work? So the only lottery I'm familiar with is like a hunting lottery. So if you mm-hmm. you buy a bear hunting license mm-hmm. in Michigan. And mm-hmm. you're pretty much guaranteed not to get it the first five or so years, but you, yeah. you acquire points every time you sign up, yes. um, you, you pay for the license, you acquire points every time. And then if you're drawn in that lottery, um, the more points, the better chance you have, then I think you can pay or, you know, give them a thumbs up, say, yep, I'm going to hunt this year. And thank you for my bear license. Is yeah. it similar with, marathon running or is it completely random every year it's it's similar you don't you don't have to pay you all you do is you just put your email in and you enter the lottery but uh it's you you probably have to do it like five times to get it i mean you can get lucky and just get it on your first try or your second try like you all you have to do is just keep entering but your odds get better the more you do it like the the lottery form all you need to input is like your name your email and then you input uh, if you've entered the lottery before so that they can track like, all right, this is this person's third time or fourth time. Like let's bump them up the list. Um, so I've, I, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, what comes of it for those, for those last two. Um, I could just, you can also do a charity. That's another way to bypass the lottery is you just volunteer with the charities. You have to raise a certain amount of money and you can run. Um, so that's one way I could, if I'm really just like, all right, I'm done with this lottery system. I could just do that. How many, how many years have you been signing up for those two Tokyo and uh, London, 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 just two, and then Tokyo, I've just done one. So it could be a longer road if I, uh, if I'm not lucky. Okay. Um, was there, is there anything worth bringing up with the Germany race or Chicago or Boston? Um, maybe we can go into each of those. Yeah. So Boston was interesting because I missed a start and that was like a not, not fun time. <laughs> I was down there with my parents and it's Is a it, uh, uh, like group starts. Yes. It's okay. a wave start, uh, wave one through wave seven or something. I was wave one and it's it's a similar to new york where it's just a straight line you start at one point and you end at another so you can't bring anything with you to start that you're not gonna because you're never gonna be able to get back there you have to just run with whatever you have uh and so i was my parents in the morning they drove me to the start you're supposed to they don't allow any cars at the start they you go to a bus stop and buses take you down to the starting line and so my parents like hey like we're running a little bit late and they're like hey we're just gonna take you to the start i'm like i'm pretty sure you can't do that like you have to go to the buses they're like no we'll just then they, they said, no, we'll just tell them you're running the race. I'm like, all right, we'll see about that. And sure enough, we come down the exit to the starting line. <laughs> okay, cops waving, Yeah, cops are waving everyone through. And the cop's like, all right, get back on the highway. And my mom's like, you don't understand. Like, my son is running the race. <laughs> and the cop's like, I've heard this a million times. Like, get back on the road. You got to go back to the bus stop. 
So we're literally going, we're going backtracking a mile. I'm sitting there watching my watch, like being like, all right, my time, my wave just went off. Like, this is great. Uh, and so we ended up in traffic. We went down to the bus stop, getting off the exit ramp and we were in bumper to bumper. So I just got out of the car and started running. And I like tracked down one of the buses and like banged on the door and they stopped and they're like, we're full. Sorry, we can't let you on. I'm like, dude, I just missed my start. Like, I'll just stand here. Just let me on. And the guy like luckily let me on. And then, so I started running through them an athlete village to the starting line. I ran through the athlete village and I made it to start with wave two. Uh, and I don't know if you know, like NASCAR racing, but you know, Jimmy Johnson is like Jimmy Johnson's a pretty good NASCAR driver. And I remember I got there and they were saying, and now in wave two, like give it up for Jimmy Johnson. And I'm like, Oh my, like there, he was like standing right there and everyone's like applauding. I'm like, all right, well, at least I got to see Jimmy Johnson <laughs> by being late. <laughs> And I'm like, I better not lose to Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> um, and then, so, so that that was really the the highlight of Boston. Like, I ran Boston pretty well. It was a pretty good time, um, but my adrenaline was so shot, and I was just like frantic at the start, like having missed it. And but that was that was a good story there. Um, did you uh, did you get to start your clock with Wave Two? I did. Yeah. Okay. But everyone tracking me was like I, I i don't run with my phone so i didn't have my phone for any of this but everyone tracking me uh they had no idea what was going on because i was supposed to start at wave one and then like you can track someone and, and then like it'll it'll keep them every mile it'll update you and i i just didn't start so i had a bunch of people tracking me like what's going on like chris is he not racing today or what happened and then like 10 minutes later my guys my race started going and people started tracking so no one knew i felt i felt pretty bad about that i'm like gosh all these people tracking me are going to be so concerned and like i don't have my phone i have no way to tell them that i'm just starting 10 minutes later so it was a big they probably like got it after weird. like five miles they just see that yeah. your times are coming inconsistent ah, exactly started late. yeah <laughs> hope you didn't yeah, get hit but, by the bus yeah yeah exactly so that that was a that was a good thing with boston so was that, that was much like different dream. than New York? Because I Boston's the most competitive in the world, right? So it is. You're yes. probably running with a different caliber of people. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. It is. Uh, it's no joke for sure. Um, people there take it super seriously because you have to qualify, and a lot of people. It's there, like, and it was for me too. It's like you're, if you're a competitive runner, you want to run Boston, and it's like a really big deal, and people take it super seriously. So it's unfortunate for me. My biggest memory from that is missing the start, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> have you gone back and done it since then no no redemption uh, no, right? no I, I eventually i will but i, I i'll go i'm sure i'll go through a cycle where that'll become important to me again but at this point it's just not okay yeah and then but, anything worth noting in chicago otherwise i bet germany was really cool yeah um chicago was my first race since moving out to boulder and having and training and i joined a team out here and started training with the team out here and i was doing like workouts twice a week long runs with a with a really good team uh and i, I was in really really good shape and had been acclimated to the altitude for a year uh and so that was my pr by about 10 minutes and that one was an important race for me because one of my uncles uh, he had like the family marathon record and it was two hours and 47 minutes. That was always a goal of mine. I remember being, when I was like, gosh, when I was like seven years old, I remember I was a good runner, but the way I validated it was like, well, I have an uncle who ran 247 in the marathon. And I remember that's how I would validate it to people. Uh, 
And I remember being like, I need to beat this time. Otherwise, like, what was the point of me running? <laughs> if I, if I, if I don't beat this and I can't, if I can't be like the standard record setter for my family, then I might as well not even show up. So for me, I remember it being really important for me to break 247. And I was on really Beating good yourself down so. at seven years old. I know. I know. So hard know. on yourself. I know. Everyone's out there uh, playing with trucks and playing <laughs> on the playground. And you're just like, you're garbage, Chris. <laughs> uh, so th- that one was really fun because I was, I had, I, I ran a good time. The last like three or four miles, I cramped up, but I kept going. The last mile, I remember I was like looking at my watch and I was at 240. And I was like, I got to run a seven minute mile here to beat the time. And I remember just like putting everything I had into that last mile just to do it. And then I crossed the line at 246 and some change. And it was just like, so it was, it was so cool. It was like that I had accomplished like the biggest, the, the main reason I was running, the second reason I was running marathons was to, to set the, the record. And so that was a big deal for me that that race to be able to set the record and i said it by like 30 seconds too it was like right down to the wire <laughs> I, is that uncle still alive are you able to call he him is. up and tell him he is I, I did i do it more so with my family than him because like he he gave me the classic all oh, really proud of you like great job but i could i know in the back of his mind he was he was pissed that like and like he and Pete and it's like oh like you were out there training in Colorado and like when I was doing it I was like I had didn't train a lot and I was wearing shoes with holes and I'm like yeah yeah but whatever the, the time's the time so <laughs> I was like but then but then this segue is pretty good into Germany because then it became like all right I need to blow this time out of the water <laughs> I need to like destroy this man <laughs> so that that that's what became that's what became my like goal uh for the next year because after I did Chicago I was done with the US majors and I was like all right time to move international I could get into Berlin so I'm like all right I'm gonna do Berlin this is September 2022 is that yeah September 2022 uh I I had like a, a really good training cycle I did I took it really seriously um trained for like three four months and was doing workouts two three days a week with the team did really good long runs i switched up my long run training to make it more time-based versus mileage based which is a good a good suggestion i would give to you and anyone else um that made this run like by far the most satisfying because i was always married to mileage and it's like you gotta do a 20 mile run here and an 18 mile run here and blah 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 um and i would go and i would do like a 22 mile run and I would feel like crap the last two miles, but I'd be like, all right, I accomplished a 22 mile run. And then I'd get to race day and I'd realize that that doesn't do anything to you because if you feel like crap at mile 22, you're going to feel like crap miles 23, 24, 25, 26. And it was just fool's gold. And so for me, what I, what I set out to do was like, all right, I'm going to just do my long run for two hours and 45 minutes. And so I structured my training that way. I'm like, all right, eight weeks out, I want to do a two hour run. And I did that the distance was was not consequential i want i wanted to hit my pacing well and i wanted to do the amount of time and, and the distance was the distance and then i did 215 and then 230 and then i did a 245 and i remember when i did the 245 run it ended up being like 25 miles and like 25.2 and i was like running sub six minute miles the last one feeling awesome and i'm like all right this is this is how it's supposed to feel like i remember thinking like all right i'm gonna be 
feeling awesome. And and that was a big, a big change for me was um, changing it to time-based long runs. And that's like the biggest advice I give to any marathoner is do your long runs time-based and time-based. And if, if you're going to run four hours or three hours and 45, like your body is going to be on its feet for three hours and 45 minutes. It's going to be on its feet for four hours. And so you have to learn like what that feels like. And the, and the distance is inconsequential. Like getting your body ready to run 22 miles isn't going to matter when you have to run 26. So if you can get your body ready to run like three, if you can run three and a half hours and you're like, all right, at least my body knows it can literally stay on its feet and run for three and a half hours. Then the extra 30, 15 to 30, you can like wrap your head around. Cause you can baseline to that three thirty. But, um, I would recommend that like, don't, don't try to run a 20 mile run. Uh, try to run it, try to run for three hours and 30 minutes and ends up being 18 miles. Great. It ends up being 21. Great. Um, because the end, the, the goal on the horizon can't be 20 miles and it can't be 22 miles because it's, it's fool's gold. So for, for Berlin, I made it, made that a big change in my training and I ended up running a lot of miles. I was doing like 90, hundred mile weeks while, while working full-time job. Um, and it was, and still like visiting friends and trying to do a lot of like that. That's one thing in my training. I try to, I'm really proud of is that a lot of people I train with, um, they make it their life. They make running their life and their friends and their loved ones kind of have to deal with that. And I'm sure Brown will tell you, like, it's, there's days where she's like, dude, you don't need to run. Like, can you, like, it's a Saturday. You don't need to go run in the morning, but I think I'm pretty good about, um, still fitting running around life and that's what I'm, I'm that's what i'm probably most proud of with berlin is like i was running 100 mile weeks and i was working 60 hours 50 hours a week and brown and i were still hanging out on weekends and going to visit friends and i was able to structure my training around that and that that that's what i'm super proud of um, that i was able to do that all together and so that that led to a really really good training cycle really good mindset um going into into berlin and we ended up we flew to london beforehand which was awesome we spent three days four days in london before the race and we went to berlin and, and raced there uh and it was uh it was like the best race i ever did it was two hours and 30 minutes which is like a huge pr um i ended up getting i think top like 250 in the field of fifty thousand. Um, and it was just like an awesome experience. I couldn't see among how many. So I think so. I think it was top two. I don't know what it. Was. I think it was top two hundred or something out of fifty thousand. Okay. It was either top two fifty or top two hundred. Uh, and I think it was top twenty five Americans, which was awesome. I'm uh, yeah, that's that's impressive. I'm writing down some notes because you went and do a lot there, and there's a lot of things <laughs> I want to peel on. Yeah, sure, um, sure. So uh, we I had this podcast episode with Jacob. It was our second one, mm -hmm. and he did an adventure race. And it sounds yeah. like you've done an adventure race before, so we should dive into that in a little bit. But yeah, um, he had done marathons after college as well, and he told me that he burnt out pretty hard at after mile twenty two or something. And you've said that mm -hmm. consistently with every single one of your races. Yep. Uh, and I, I believe that when you are training or when you look up like a stock 
four-month training program for a marathon, the max you run is something about around 20, 22 miles. Um, yeah. Do you, like, why is that? Why is it that your body just gives up? Is it because you're running a further time after that based on your time base? Or is it literally you've exhausted every bit of energy that you have? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, like, physically running 26 miles and then, and just expanding on that, like running for four hours or two, like whatever the amount amount of time, like that is really hard on your body. So to do to do that in a training run, it like wipes you out for the week prior. So a lot of plans don't have you going that far because they know that like it's a, it's a build up to race day. And if you try to run twenty six, you're gonna you're gonna lose out on your next week because your body's gonna be really sore and you're gonna have to get back to normal so the goal is to do something like 22 to and to run like a whole week of training before that and then run 22 on top of that and then run like the next day then it's like all right my my legs are strong um because knowing on race day you're on race week you're going to be running like four or five miles the whole week and then you're going to have fresh legs and you're going to run 26 so that's why you do something like 22 because you add that on to your normal uh, running load and and then you're able to run right afterwards. That's like a really good sign to your body that you're you're um, you're getting strong. But then that doesn't help you mentally cope with the fact that like hmm. you hit miles 24, 25, 26, like you've never done that before. And it's like a totally different experience a day of. Um, so it's a little bit of a balance, <clears throat> a little bit of a balance there uh, that just takes time. And like I I never I I didn't really figure out that balance until my sixth race. My, the sixth race Berlin was the only race that I didn't cramp and that I didn't break down in the last couple of miles. And what, what else is going into that? I, I have a feeling that those last five miles are the, the worst of the worst because your body is ready for everything before that. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But, but what goes into race day, right? Like what's yeah. your, what's your routine? I, I know that there's probably stuff you're doing during the run um, and I know it's probably unique for every single person, but I, yeah. I am curious what, what you do to psych yourself up and get yourself through those 26 plus miles. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So they race date is different for everyone. And it's, it's it really, uh, the more you do it, the more you can tinker on what work, what's worked and what's not. And this is another one that I didn't really figure out until my sixth one. But for me, it is, uh, like carb eating carbs the whole week of like carb loading the day of is not <clears throat> like the day the night before is not sustainable like you have to have keep your carbohydrate le levels high for like a consistent period of time um <clears throat> so it's it's carbohydrates the whole week it's a lot of uh like salt supplements because i would i would cramp so i took a lot of salt supplements the whole week before trying to like stock my body with as much fuel as it has and then a big change I made was I didn't drink a lot of water. So I used to, and this varies from person to person, but because I'm really prone to cramping, I lose my, and I, I sweat a lot. So I lose my salt really quickly. So what I would do is the night before I would chug water to kind of lubricate my muscles. And then the rate on race day, I would cramp every time. And so I thought, I was like, oh, maybe I can switch this up. And so what I did instead was I drank like just my normal water that I would drink every day, like no more, no less morning of i all i ate was a banana piece of white bread and a glass of water was all i had the day of the race um 
and that 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 was a big change for me. It was like I typically I would eat like a peanut butter sandwich, drink a cup of coffee, and start pounding water because I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose water. But in doing so, I was diluting out all my electrolytes so that I would, I'd have, I'd pee the my my pee would be clear the whole day before and morning of, and I was screwing myself because I was sweating out my electrolytes and I had already peed out half of them before the before the race even started. And so by mile twenty, I was already exhausted. And I would start cramping. So I switched that this time. I, I, only, I had like my, my normal diet, like nothing really changed. Then race day was just a glass of water, grab banana. And then during the race, uh, I have, I have gels that I would train with like energy gels that worked for me. I did them every, every 5k I would take them and just Those like, are pretty like much just, uh, just sugar, sugar, carbs, right? You're just trying to just give yourself a little bit of energy to get to the next mile or so. Yep. Yep. They're carbs. And it's, it's even when you don't think you need them, it's good to, to start early. Uh, I, that's another thing I didn't, when my first marathon, I didn't take anything until mile 18 because I didn't think I needed it. And the cliff, like my, the way I felt at mile 18 versus 21 was insane. Mile 18. I felt like I could conquer the, my first marathon. I felt like I could conquer the world. I'm like, oh, I'm going to crush this thing. And like 20 minutes later, I was like, this is terrible. My body's dying. <laughs> like it comes so fast and I didn't realize that. And, and so as I did more marathons, I realized that you just have to take it early. Even if you don't want you it, front load it, you just need to front load it because your body needs it. Even if you, whether you know it or not. So you run it with a, uh, a pouch the whole time. I know that there's water throughout the whole event, but do you carry water yeah. and, um, so I don't carrying. So I I don't carry water. I take wa- every single water stop. I carry water. So or I take water every water stop, even if it's just to swish it and spit. Like every single time, always take it. Gatorade, always take it, even if it's just to swish it and spit. Um, I wear like r- racing like half tights that have pockets in them, and so I would store three gels in one side and three gels in another, and that was it. That's all I would do. And then I would just take water every time. Um, that was it. Just stored the gels in, in, in my in my shorts. Like when I my earlier marathons, what I would do is I would safety pin them to my running shorts. When I was wearing uh, when I when I couldn't fit them in my pockets, I would safety pin them in, and then I would just rip them off and take them. Um, those are my my first couple of marathons. That's how I did it. To, to, so I could carry it, but not have to wear like a belt or something. Although wearing a belt is fine. I know a lot of people who do that um, that recommend it. Do you run with music or anything? Mm. So I, I run with me. I run, I never do a workout with music ever. And I, I try, I try not to do my, I try to be intentional about what long runs I do with music versus not. I never race with music. I never, I try to like be totally aware of what's going on. I want to be aware of the, my body, how it's feeling. I want to be aware of the crowd. Like to me, racing is such a privilege that I don't want to dilute it out and try to take my mind elsewhere. I want to be like in the moment. That's like a huge thing for me. And so if I were to train my long runs and workouts with music, my brain wouldn't know how to deal with being, how to race without it. So on my daily runs, like when I'm just running by myself, I, I always listen to either eBooks or podcasts. So I never even do music anyways. It's always eBooks or podcasts because growing up, I always ran with people and we would talk. So it's just like my version of being able to talk to someone that uh, just, so I have someone talking in my ear and then long runs. Um, I'll do long runs with podcasts or eBooks, but then 
the ones that I really want to matter, I, I always, I never listen to anything. Okay. I have one fun, funny story. So sure. uh, my buddy ran the free press marathon, the Detroit free press marathon and uh-huh. him and a bunch of people trained for this thing. And he race day comes up, he plops his headphones in and they, they died. The, that, I don't think the battery died. I think the whole thing died. They no were way. brand new. And so he had to run the full marathon with nothing in his ears. And, you know, oh he's gosh. not doing it super competitively, but that's how we trained. He always ran his long distances yeah. with music. Yeah. And he was so mad. He, he ended up reaching out to the company that had the headphones and just like, wow. Pretty much yelling at him. I don't know, I not would. yelling, but just saying how disappointed he was. So and then uh, I think they gave him a full refund because of how much really? that sucked. I, I could be making that part up, but it cracks me up. Yeah, no, that's that's I. Yeah, it's it's so the race is so mental that if if you switch anything up day of like like that, you are screwed. <laughs> You're so screwed. <laughs> I will also say for the listeners that Chris pretty much only listens to one album and one album only with music. <laughs> so uh, I'll no, say it from my perspective, but he he goes to work and when it's time to focus, he puts in his earbuds and he plays the Tron soundtrack from the new Tron movie, newest Tron movie, the one that Daft Punk made. Not on shuffle, can't be on shuffle from start to finish. And he just brute forces that through his whole work day. Um, <laughs> And this, yeah, yeah so that's the, what I really need to when I really need to lock in. <laughs> yeah, the, you need to just put that soundtrack in in the last five miles and just send it home. I know that would be a good experiment. I, I literally last week I listened to that album probably 10 times. <laughs> the Spotify uh, uh, year in review is going to come out, and Chris will be the top 0. 0.00. 0.00 zero no no the top 99.9999 whatever that listens to daft punk without just, fail <laughs> without fail and if it if he hears it in shuffle he he short circuits and uh <laughs> his day's over oh my god we, we joke about this a lot yes um so okay so so that kind of gets you those those pills and everything the sugar pills i get you into mile 20 is there anything special about those last few miles it sounds like when you went to the time-based those last six plus miles became much easier yeah. um is there anything that you did or people do to get through that tail end yeah so i i went out a little bit slower which helped uh in the first half and then i also remember looking at my watch at mile 20 and seeing that i was at like not even two hours yet. And so mentally it was a huge boost for me to be like, oh, I've already run 245 and I felt great at the end of it. So if I like if what I can do is I can maybe even go a little bit faster here, knowing that I could get in under 245. Like I have my body has the ability to do that. Now I can push it forward. And I remember like being really confident that I could do that because I did that long run that was two hours and 45 minutes. And then I remember also, this is like a different thing with Berlin, but it's in Germany. So everything's in, in kilometers. So that was a big thing for me as well, where instead of having to wait for every mile marker, uh, 10K is six miles. So the K markers came much faster. So I was like, all right, I have 10Ks to go. And then it'd be like, all right, I got nine to go and then eight to go. And so I wasn't even paying attention to miles at that point. So it was like a really a 
big benefit because if I had been really mile mile based, I would have been screwed because like they didn't weren't super good at putting mile markers out. It was all kilometers. So it was a big mental win for me to be able to not anchor myself to every mile, which your mind grabs onto anything it can at that point to keep going. And it just so happens like you're anchoring to miles is like the easiest way for your brain to like move through it. And it's just, that also happens to be like the hardest way, because if you're just anchoring from mile to mile, it's just, it can become really hard because if your body doesn't want to do it, you're on mile 24 and you're trying to tell yourself like, come on, just get to mile 25. And then you're like, well, crap, I got a whole nother mile after that. And my legs feel like crap. Like I'm whatever, I'm just done. Um, it, it's very easy to just succumb to that. Um, but time-based it's like, if you have already ran that 20, time, you know, your body you run that? Run that time. Exactly. And then, then obviously once you get past that time, you're like, all right, I'm past it. But like, you can check in with your body. I find like quite a bit better that way. You're like, all right, like, I've never run longer than this in my life. How is, how do my legs feel like agnostic of being, being like, Oh crap, I have to run four more miles. I've never run that much before. Like I feel, I've just felt mentally like justifying being able to run for more time. We just do that on a more regular basis. Like think about like in, in other walks of life, like if you're going on a hike or something, or it's like, all right, we got like 30 minutes left or something like that. Or if you're biking, like I just, even as a runner, I don't translate a lot of my, a lot of my hard activities into miles, but you do translate a lot of your activities into time. Like even I'm sure with you with kids, it's like, all right, like 30 more minutes and then Cora's got to go to bed or like something like that. Or like, it's, it's like your brain just associates more with like time-based goals, like time-based initiatives versus miles. Like your like when you try to anchor yourself to a mile goal, your brain's going to get rid of that so quick because you don't do that on a day-to-day basis. Um, so being able to try to switch. So Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, I'm sure that made it so easy or much easier for you to kind of maintain that, that social life when you were training for that marathon too, because you need to go out and run three hours. Right. And if you're getting up early in the morning and trying to knock that out before most people start their day or whatever, that it's much easier for you to still go see friends. still go get dinner at night. Um, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that, that makes a lot more sense because you you block out a chunk of time to do it. Exactly. You're not just saying I have to go run 20 miles. I don't know when I'll be back. Yep. You know you'll be exactly back at right. this, this time. That that's a that is that's true. That's so big. Um, and it can become it can become like if you're saying hey I got to run 20 miles, it could become really bad. And you're like ah, I just it took me four and a half hours to run that. That sucked. I thought it was gonna or like. I thought it was going to take me, I was going to do it faster and it can be a really negative relationship. But if you're saying like, I'm just running this chunk, I'm running three hours, I'll be home in three hours and I'm going to be happy with whatever I do in that time. It's just like a much healthier relationship I find. I like that. I mean, yeah, cause you just said it. I mean, we have two young kids and I, I'm, I, I looked at Chelsea. I'm like, Hey, I, I need to do this. It's a bucket list item. She's like, just do it. Stop talking about it. You know, sign yeah. up for May, get it done. And you know, if I can get myself up in the morning or even, I mean, we, we talked about it. I have a Peloton alternative, right? Yeah. Even if I put the yep. time in on that bike, I could sit there after exactly. the girls go down or early in the morning and still be present. Um, exactly. in, in case the kids need something. So exactly. That's that's great. That's something I need to 
figure out whenever I actually start prepping for this yeah. thing. It'll probably be February. I'll have the plan set up and just say, all right, let's let's do it. And then that's, Coach no, Chris will have to guide me through it all. Yeah, that, that's good. I'm glad you brought the bike up because that's another way that time just is easier to translate. Because, like, it's who knows what the translation is between, like, a bike mile and a running mile. Who knows? But if you've done an hour of work, like, if it's if it just snowed the night before or, like, you know, you've had a tough day with the kids, you can't get out to run, like, just to get on the bike and still do an hour of work, you can go to bed feeling like, all right, like I accomplished my goal for the day. Like instead of saying like, crap, I didn't run my, my plants that I ran had to run six miles. I didn't run six miles. Now I'm six miles behind on the week. Now I'm screwed. Like it's just, there's so many ways you can, like it can be a positive and a negative. Like if you hit all those marks, you're like, this is awesome. I'm knocking this out of the park, but it's hard. Like you can, you can find ways to make it more manageable um and time-based training i think is a way that you can you can really make it work and it's really all about you'll find this when you train like it's just there's like literally it comes out to two things it's just pain tolerance and priorities like if you can make it through and make it a priority to get your hour of work in an hour of tr like work in a day be it on the bike or on running if you can prioritize an hour and like it's not too painful and you can getting up at 5 a.m. if you have to, or 6 a.m. if you have to, to do it, if you can tolerate that, you can, you can do anything. Like, it's easy. If you can just bank that, or you can do it at night, or whenever you can do it, as long as you carve out the time to prioritize, um, you can easily do it. It's, it's, it's so much more manageable if you just say, I'm gonna carve out, it's my hour, I gotta do an hour a day, five days a week, at least an hour of like activity, that's five hours in a week. Like, if you can prioritize five hours in a week, you can run a marathon. Oh, I got this. <laughs> no, it, it will be a lot more interesting with, with the kiddos, but I think 100%. That, I think I'll be able to do it. We have a pretty good work-life work balance, so if I can just go to bed on time, get up early, do it, get it done before the girls are up, um, I think I'll be all right. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Yeah. Um, one, other, one other thing I would give you as advice that, it's kind of goes into my Tron, like this, this like my whole thing. How I listen to Tron is if you can find one route around your house, that's like four miles or six miles or eight miles. If you can find one route that you're like, I'm guaranteed I can get this in. If there's not a ton of like traffic and you can do that like three days a week. That is so big because the mentally it's hard to go out and be like, all right, I'm going to run a new route every day. And it might seem like this is like it's super like it might seem like it's super monotonous and it's like super boring but like when you have to get out of bed at 6 a.m and you have to like get your shoes on and you have to figure out everything else that's going on in your day the rest of the day if you don't have to make a choice about what route you're going to run um that makes the training cycle so much easier. like i run the same route when i'm on my own like three days a week i run the same route and i've been doing that for like four years and it is a little bit psycho. Like I'll acknowledge that, but like I still have a smile on my face every time I'm doing that route. I'm able to focus on something else, like my whatever I'm listening to or how my body's feeling. Like I don't have to think about I'm gonna make up a new route today. And some people love doing that. That's just not not me. Um, I just don't want to expend the mental energy to have to find a new route. Yeah, and I'm a little bit out in the boonies. Like we live on dirt yeah. roads. I don't have you know, the ability to run all these city streets. 
Um, mm-hmm. So there is a four mile loop that I enjoy and I just have to Perfect. figure out a larger one for the next, next thing. Um, yeah. Just find out a way, trip. just find out a way that you can add on like a mile and like two miles. I do the same thing whenever I stay at Bronwyn's house. Like there's a six mile loop and an eight mile loop. Just have to take an extra dirt road. And so I figure out which one I want to do that day and I go do it. Okay. What? Well, so one one thing that uh I don't know if you know anything about this, but uh we were doing keto for a while. Yeah. And we still do pretty good. We try to eat very low carb at home. If if we're out at a restaurant or yeah. we come over to someone's house and they feed us, it's a little bit different, but we try to eat pretty low carb. And yeah. I, I remember in one of these podcast episodes that I was I was listening to, um they were saying I mean, you burn carbs so much quicker than you burn fat. If you're in ketosis, you're living off fat and you are Mm -hmm. storing that fat to be burnt later. Um, When you're most of the American diet, you're in, you're not in ketosis, you're living off of carbs. That's right. And so when you're running in a marathon, you are doing that, that carb load a week before you're eating all the spaghetti and pasta and everything. And then Mm -hmm. your white bread the day before, and you're taking those sugar pills during the day of just so you have a little bit to burn towards the tail end. Yeah. Uh, have you looked in anything with ketosis and running marathons? Cause I, I, it's a slower burn. If you have it built up, then a lot of yeah. that is unnecessary, but I've not heard a marathon runner talk about it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it really is uh, person to person. Um, I know people who do ultra marathons, like any like 50 mile runs that you're on your feet for like six hours, eight hours, they all are like fat heavy diets. Okay. So than carbs. Like, I think it sounds really crazy to say this, but like marathons are still in like the vast scheme of running. Like they're still like kind of a short distance. And I know that sounds really crazy to, to think about, but um, the people who train for marathons are training for speed. Like the guy, like my per mile on my, fastest marathon was 545 like that is not i still can't believe that for me but like that is a you're running fast like you're getting really fast turnover like your your body is moving at really fast efficient pace whereas people who do like the longer 50 mile trail runs like you're just you're like just running like you're you're more your body is doing more like it has to you know it can it can it can store things that can be released a little bit slower whereas for marathon like you got to get in and get out like your body's churning through fuel um like churning through it um and so i i've i know there's some runners like everyone's different like i know runners who really are more fat heavy uh the team i run with in in boulder they're very much more carb focused and i always grew up with being more carb focused but i'm never been one to tell someone like what to do with their diet like running really ever like i i for me it's really been like just eat healthy and get your mind right and there's like a really good quote from this runner frank shorter who's like one of the most accomplished american marathoners and someone asked him that and he was like i run my race with my legs not my stomach and that was that's something that always stuck with me is like that's pretty badass like they were trying to be like frank what do you do when you run and he's like i don't care i don't run with my stomach uh, so that's one thing where I've tried to kind of taken that to heart where it's like, if, if I don't prepare my legs and my mind for race day, 
it, it doesn't matter. I could be eat carb heavy or fat heavy. I'm still gonna not gonna race my best if my legs and my mind aren't aren't ready. I like that. I, I like that you uh, you pulled it into you know longer runs, right? Uh, yeah. When you're when you're running off a carb fuel source, you pretty much have to have those have sugar pills though, because exactly. you are depleting that so quickly. You have um, to exactly. Yeah, but the way you you kind of explained it is maybe fat is a slower burn, whereas carbs you can kind of just rip through it and it might be a well, quicker fuel source. And I, I know it's be. so it's so complicated. I don't know enough about diet, but that's just something that I've wanted to ask you for a minute. I mean. No, I mean, realistically, if, if that's a diet that you, it's all about what you train with. Like the, the biggest mistake you can make is like, I'm going to live my life keto. And then just because of marathoning, I'm going to switch. And then like the, and then your body's got to figure out what to do. Like, that's another thing is just do whatever you're most comfortable with. I mean, obviously, if you want to change your diet, like start, if you're going to race in May, start in January and starting your body ready. Um, but I, I, I tell you, I, I I was early on in my marathon career. And when I talked to people early on in their marathon, they asked me this all the time. And they're like, hmm. what should I have the week of? Like, what should I have the night of? And that's a, such a common question. And it really is like, if that is your biggest concern, like you are screwed because there's <laughs> never been a single person who has been like, I'm just going to train like whatever, but I'm going to knock out my pre-race meal and I'm going to run a PR. Like that has never been, <laughs> that's never happened ever. So it's 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 important like to to get your nutrition down is important but it has to be part of your whole plan like whatever whatever if you go run out run a three-hour run and you're saying i'm gonna do my three-hour training run that's where you can play with it and be like when did i feel good there and be like if i i had a, if, if you're if you're just like hey i had a i had a long week and i had a tough morning and for dinner last night we ate leftover pizza and i'm still doing this three-hour run and i made it like that's you're like all right well i still did it then like race day shouldn't be any different uh like you, you know you were able to do, like the the race day really the, the 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 joy of marathon the marathon is not the race it's it's the journey up going up to it like it's a it's a way to get into shape it's a way to like experiment experiment with this kind of stuff like the race day like 90 i've raced a thousand times in my life maybe 10 percent of them I've finished and been like, this was awesome. Um, but I can tell you every single time the training was fun and the training was enjoyable. So um, that's where that's where you can really lean in and be like, all right, I have a three hour training run. I wasn't able to prioritize my nutrition, my nutrition this week. Like, let's see how this goes. And then if something doesn't work, it's like, all right, like I know I really got to change something here. Um, but if you typically, you're, you, I know you typically eat keto and you're, you're a healthy dude. So like, I would just stick with, what you know uh, and if you find like you're getting gassed on runs and it's like all right well maybe i need to change something yeah that makes sense and, and that's kind of a good transition you give me some uh some reflections right it's about it's about the journey not so much the event uh how yeah. how is doing marathons kind of changed you is there any major mental strides you've had or philosophy changes yeah uh, no no, it, 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 it's, it's really, it was, uh, like, I don't have kids and Brown and I just got married. So, um, it was really important for me to have that as like my 
thing that I do really well. Because like I said, like I didn't want my life to be my job. And if unless I found some other some other thing to hang my hat on, that's what it was gonna be, or or I was just gonna be like that fun that fun dude who's who was an accountant. Like I wanted to have something more. Uh and so it changed my mindset of like if I want to do this, I want to be really good at this. Like I can't just walk into it. I need to really try. So it was a really a shift in mindset of like getting up really early and prioritizing workouts and prioritizing long runs and making it like, I'll just, I'll just keep saying priority, but making it a priority was so massive and like being intentional about it. But then um, it changed my mindset into like, I can fit this into my life. Like I'll still go out. Like there's times where I'll go out with my friends. If I have a friend in town and I'm supposed to have a long run on Saturday, like I'll still go out with them on Friday I might feel like crap Saturday morning, but I'll still get the run in and being able to toe that line um, of like, Hey, I like, we want to see like, example, like I'm, we want to see Tyler and Chelsea in Detroit and I'm supposed to have a long run on Sunday. Like I'm not going to sacrifice seeing you guys for the long run. I'll just do the long run on Wednesday or something like that. Like it, it became a big shift in mindset of like, I can, I can be really, I can try to be really good at something, but I can, I don't want to be that guy. And there's these guys exist everywhere. We're like, it's their whole life. Uh, so it changed, it changed my mindset quite a bit. Like I can do things and be good at them without making it my whole life. Anybody who has routine at the like core of their day, I, I feel like just excels at everything else. I, I remember when Chelsea and I were working out before work, before kids and, mm-hmm. you know, having that workout done, by the time you get into the office, you're still getting to the office before everybody else it was the greatest feeling. And I, so I awesome. never felt like more in control of things. Um, totally agree. Yeah. And I can't even imagine doing that when you have a, you know, two, three hour, uh, yeah. workout and you know, you're still working 50 plus hours a week. Um, but, but you so, can do yeah, it. What, you can do it. <laughs> I got this. We got this. So what do you, what's the next goal right you're kind of just waiting for that lottery but as far as i know you're still running quite a bit what are you doing to like what's your maintenance for now is it just to stay in shape are you still trying to keep miles up are you still sprinkling marathons in here and there yeah great great question so i uh after berlin i was so happy with that time um i kind of just started running a little bit like I kept I, like running for me is I can do 30 minutes, 40 minutes, three days a week, three, four days a week. And I'll be happy and then get an hour plus run on the weekend. And I'm pretty happy. Uh, and so that's kind of where I was living until maybe July. And then I signed up for a race that, you know, it's, it's next weekend in Sacramento and it was a marathon. Um, and I was going to ramp up my training and, um, I wanted to beat two thirty, and wanted to PR again. Like that's the reason I do it is I want to PR and, so I was really going to start working out hard and I got up to some high mileage and then like August came around and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like I, I just, it's like something went off my head. of like, do you do not want to do this? And then I remember thinking like, I hadn't put the time and the effort in by August to really challenge my time in Berlin. So I was going to go into it pretty confident. I wasn't going to PR and it was a race in Sacramento that I didn't really want to go to Sacramento. Um, and so I remember I was talking to Brown. I'm like, I just like don't, I just don't want to do it. Like I can continue staying in shape, and it was like a pretty clear sign. And maybe you know I'll look back 
you know, five years from now, I'd be like, I was in really good shape. I should have pressed it and potentially PR PR'd again. Uh, but at the moment, it was just like, I made a decision about a month ago to just not run the race. It just was, wasn't important for, for me. It wasn't a priority for me. Uh, and so, and I just didn't, didn't want it. So I'm so now I'm still just doing back to doing like three, four runs a week. Um, I'm able to, I'm able to really like prioritize time with family and friends and you know, don't have to worry about getting runs in. Uh, so, so for now, I, I'll probably just keep looking out at London and Tokyo, but I don't, I, I may throw another race in if I get niche in the next year or two, if I don't get those. But for now, I think that's my, my, the goal in my head of marathon running and why I want to do it. Uh, those two races are really all I have right now. I like that. Maybe I'll con you into coming and run one in Michigan yeah. for me, or uh, bandit banditing it for me. Yeah, I'll bandit for you. Yeah, <laughs> so just be that's a, a great excuse. Through. No, uh, no, that's great. Yeah, you you are always persistent from what I've seen, whether you have a race coming up or not. So I, I love that you still put the time in and get those runs in, and I'm sure it helps keep you and keep you sane through through work and normal life and just having that yep. that run as an outlet. Yeah, um, huge. yeah I, I think that's uh, honestly a great spot to wrap all this up. I got through pretty much everything I wanted to. Um, oh, no, I do want to tell this one story, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, so I have actually done a marathon. You have? Have you told me this I think before? we've talked about this. So I was training for that marathon that I dropped out of. I got through the the... 14 mile day. So I've run a half a marathon training for a marathon and then I quit. Mm -hmm. And then I found out I was a big longboarder. Uh, mm. And I found out there was a push marathon, uh, maybe a month later. And a push marathon is essentially a marathon that you do on a skateboard or a longboard. I was like, Oh, I, I, you know, I, I trained for half of a marathon. And this, as long as I keep up my endurance, I can do this thing. And so I went to Grand Rapids, which was on the west side of, of Michigan, and I did this push marathon. And the thing that I didn't have was I could push with one foot and stand on the other foot, but I could not swap them very well. So I, I tried to practice that going into it, but I was not very good. Oh. So I pushed 26.2 miles. And what the hell? I, did you cramp it was, up? It was a very, what's that? Did you cramp up? I, well, I was going to say by the end, my like, I stepped off that board and my calf on one foot was pretty much blown out. My hamstring on the other foot was blown out. Um, oh my God. Yes. Limp right after that. Um, but that was very cool. Just a very unique thing. Just pushing this loop through a Metro park with all these people that are really into longboarding. Um, That's pretty it, cool. it, was, it was fun. I, yeah, just an interesting story. Um, I need to get somebody on here to talk about longboarding at some point. <laughs> but yeah, so is there anything else you want to say to the listeners uh, before we wrap it up? No, no, I think, you know, I running is a, it's a privilege. It's something that we all can do. We have two legs. Um, I, I, not, I don't, I'm not, I'm Tyler knows I'm a small guy. I'm not really big. I just have developed an ability to move my legs fast and, mentally i can i can push through so running just in general for anyone i would just encourage you to to try to do it and um 
signing up for a race is, is not about the race. It's about the, the journey there. Um, so if you can embrace that, that's how you'll succeed. Yeah. And even start small. If you've never done a race, do a 5k, yep. do a mile. Yep. They have start some small. fun 5ks out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, all right, Chris, thank you for coming on. I had a great time talking with you and looking forward to getting this out there. You too, thanks, Tyler.